Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, my friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truths. Kind of a hallmark day here at Everyday Truth because I received a postcard from, you're not going to believe this, from two birds. Uh, this postcard is from Teddy and Echo Valancourt. I think maybe their owners had something to do with this, but there's Teddy and Echo, along with their canine sister, Briella, the dog. And they wanted me to know that they listen and that they're faithful, encouraging (laughs) participants in my podcast. I think Friendly the Cat has started a pet war. But uh, anyway, thank you, Teddy and Echo, for listening to or watching the podcast. Uh, You might say that my podcast has now gone to the birds. How's that for a dad joke? Jeremiah chapter 18, let's let's move on, right? Jeremiah chapter 18, we've been talking a bit about the potter and the clay, and we spent uh, the last couple of episodes looking at a very familiar passage of Scripture in Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 11, and now as Jeremiah has explained to the people again, uh, both verbally and now visually, by giving the sign of the potter's house, uh, he says to the people, listen, God sometimes uses some pretty painful lessons to form in us the things that perhaps should have been formed had we just listened to his word and cooperated with his molding in our life. Watch the, the response of the people in verse number 12, where they said, there is no hope. What a statement. There is no hope, but we will walk after our own devices. We will, everyone, do the imagination of his evil heart. Now think about that. So Jeremiah has just said to them, hey, you have rebelled against God like that clay that was marred, and yet God has chosen to make another vessel from the same clay. So that's really a message of mercy. And although we might not like the means by which God remakes us, uh, it's still just a message of mercy. And yet the people respond to the message of Jeremiah in in such a negative way. Well, there's just no hope. We'll never never please God or we'll never be in a position where God can bless us again or whatever whatever their thought process was, they came to the conclusion that there is no hope. Therefore, we're just going to do our thing. We're going to live evil lives. We're going to do what we want. We're going to pursue our lusts and our greed, and we're just going to live it up. What an attitude. Uh, Because there's no hope, because we're just going to get punished anyway, because there's no uh, future for us, I guess we might as well just make the best of what we have in the flesh. What a very wrong attitude to have. Let's eat, drink, and be merry, uh, for tomorrow we die. Uh, I am reminded of 
what the Lord said of the, the people in Genesis chapter 6 in the, the pre-flood world, when he said, uh, the thoughts of every thought of the imagination of their heart is evil continually. Here, the people are boldly and audaciously saying, we will walk every one of us in the imagination of his evil heart. Well, what a statement. Uh, we, we are complicit in our desire to do wrong. We are complicit in our motivation to do evil. What a sad and sorry place this is for the people of God. Uh, that's no way to respond to rebuke. That's no way to respond to the, the conviction that comes from the preaching of God's word. Uh, how much better for them to have said, there is hope in God. And even if there's no hope for me as far as seeing restoration to my city or restoration of our country, but there's hope for my children and I'm going to invest in them. But they have just adopted this desperation attitude. Well, there's no hope, so therefore I'm just going to... Desperation causes people to do some pretty dumb things. Look at verse number 13 of our text. Therefore... Thus saith the Lord. So Jeremiah preaches in verse 11. They respond in verse 12. And now the Lord has something to say about it in verse number 13. Look at it. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, ask ye now among the heathen, who, who hath heard such things? The virgin of Israel hath done a very horrible thing. So God's response to the way the people have responded to this Gracious message of Jeremiah, this message really of a second chance. Uh, how does God respond to their rebellious response? God said, ask among the heathen nations. Go do a survey among the surrounding nations, Ammon and, and Edom and Syria and Egypt and Babylon and all these surrounding nations. Go ask these surrounding nations if they've heard of such a thing. That if they have seen this level of rebellion among their false gods, look at verse number 14. Will a man leave the snow of Lebanon, which cometh from the rock of the field? Or shall the cold flowing waters that come from a, a, a another place be forsaken? In other words, you would never do this physically. You would never forsake uh, fountains of water. Uh, the, the cool water sources that come from places like Mount Hermon up in Lebanon or these gushing springs of water. That would be ridiculous, humanly speaking, for a person to reject living water, the fountains of water. You would never do that. And yet that's essentially what my people are doing to me. Verse number 15, because my people have forgotten me. They have burned incense to vanity. They have caused them to stumble in their ways from the ancient paths, to walk in paths in a way not cast up. So what's the point? The point is, they aren't thinking about me. They aren't worshiping me, even though they pretend they are. They're still burning incense. They're still going through the religious motions, but they're not thinking about me. They're burning incense in vain. They're really not practicing the heartfelt worship of the ancient paths. 
Uh, no, they're just doing their own thing, going through the motions, walking on the treadmill, but not having any real bona fide worshipful relationship with God. Verse number 16 is interesting. It says, to make their land desolate. Now, obviously, if you interviewed somebody back in those days and asked them, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to make your land desolate? Of course, they would say no. But by their behavior and through their rebellion, that's exactly what they were doing. They were inviting desolation. They were bringing desolation upon themselves through their willful disobedience. And the Bible says to make their land desolate and a perpetual hissing. What a statement, a perpetual hissing. And the idea behind that term perpetual hissing there is kind of the, the, the noise that you would make when you walk by something really pathetic. Like if you walk by a car accident that, that just is really, you might go, whoo, or, or you might whistle and go, I can't whistle now, <laughs> my lips are dry. But you get the idea, that's what that means. It means astonishment. It means amazement in, a, in, a, in almost a negative way. A perpetual hissing, the Bible says, everyone that passeth thereby shall be astonished and wag his head. Like this, ooh, wow. I know those of you that are listening right now can't see me, but I'm shaking my head back and forth saying, oh my that's the way your testimony is. That's the impact your testimony will have upon the passersby. Verse number 17 will be the last verse we'll cover today where the Lord continues to speak and says, I will scatter them as with an east wind before the enemy. I will show them the back and not the face in the day of their calamity. So what does that mean? That means there's coming a day when I'm going to exercise my judgment. I've been pronouncing it. I've been giving these warnings. But there's coming a day when the people will be scattered like chaff is scattered when the strong east wind blows. That would be an illustration every one of them would have been well aware of. And an even a more poignant illustration was what God said at the end of the verse when he said, I will give them the back and not the face. In essence, what the Lord is saying is, yes, I'm going to scatter them. And at that point, they're going to be crying. At that point, they're going to be saying, now we're listening. Lord, now you can help us. And what the Lord says is, at that moment, I'm going to turn my back. Now, that is strong language, obviously. We use that term even today to say, Turning your back on someone is really rejecting them, isn't it? It's giving up on them. So is this the Lord saying, I give up on you, I reject you, you are no longer my own, I disown you? Is that what the Lord's saying? And of course, the answer is no, because God has reiterated now for these 18 chapters that you are my people and I will keep covenant with you for my sake and, and I will bring you back. The point is not that God is turning his back in utter rejection of them. It's the fact that God is removing his favor from them. Uh, the face of God is a symbol of God's favor. Remember uh, the, uh, the, the benediction of numbers that the Lord make his face shine upon thee 
and give thee peace. Uh, growing up, my pastor used to always give that benediction. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. Make his face shine upon thee. That's a, a symbol of God's favor. I'm looking at you, my face, my countenance. And what the Lord is saying here is, you have rejected me and my pleadings. And so therefore, in that moment, when you cry out because you're desperate, my favor will no longer be there. I will turn my back and not show my face. Now, again, not permanent rejection, but a removal for a season of the favor of God. Boy, I never want God's favor to be removed from me. How much better to agree with the Lord? How much better to say, Lord, uh, I'm in a bad way, and Lord, I need you more than ever. Oh, God, humility, before honor is humility. These people just didn't get it. We're going to stop there in verse number 17. We'll come back to how Jeremiah responds and really how the people respond to Jeremiah after this message, but you'll have to wait for that until next time. Hope you have a great day. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.